Hello and welcome to episode 21 of The Brand Lounge, the place for unfiltered conversations on big topics for small businesses. I'm Tammy Heels, founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant, and I help service-based businesses to define their brand and achieve their version of success. And today I am joined by the lovely Amy Kuo, who is founder of Author Brown Studio, where she is a brand designer and strategist for businesses that are ready to grow into brands. Thank you so much for joining me today, Amy. Thanks, Tammy. I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait for this conversation. So today, listeners, we are going to be talking about something that I am hugely passionate about, and I know that Amy is as well. And we're going to be talking about brand positioning and how it can help you and your business to stand out from the crowd. So I always like to start these conversations by kind of defining what we mean, because some of our listeners might not be familiar with the terms that we're using. So Amy, let's start with kind of how would you define what brand positioning is? Yeah, so brand positioning is how your brand is going to stand out in the market. It's literally the position that you're going to take if you think of your brand lined up with all the other competitors, everyone who's doing the same thing that you're doing. What's going to make you different? How are you going to stand out? And what's what's kind of the stake that your business is going to take in the market amongst everyone else? Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of how I would describe it as well. I find that when it comes to talking about brand positioning, there are a few key things that seem to come up. And one is kind of pricing. So Mm -hmm. you can position yourself within a certain price point. You could position yourself to a certain type of audience or maybe a specific gender or a particular locale, like, you know, geographical area. So yeah, exactly what you said. It's kind of like, it's almost like niching down where your business kind of fits within the market. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes beyond niching as well too, into what problems you solve for your audience as well, because I think, you know, you, you can be, um, you can be in the same niche as somebody else who's doing the same thing you are, but you both are going to approach it very differently and maybe solve a different type of problem. Even though you're solving the same external problem, you may be going about it for, uh, with different emotional, different emotional takes on it, different connections. And so you're going to resonate with different people and therefore have a different position than somebody else who's even in the same niche. I think niching is uh, part of positioning, but I think positioning is really, so I think positioning is kind of like a catch-all term for all so many different ways that you can position yourself in the market and, you know, niching is, I think is a great way to um, establish your brand's position. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely perfect. And I think that the key point that you keep hitting on, which is, exactly what I kind of want to drill down into today is like it's how it helps you stand out mm-hmm. so I know that when I was doing brand design and I know that this is something that I've seen you post about as well is when you've had clients that have had the same industry and almost like potentially even solving the same problems but having to brand them in different ways so that you can position them differently Is that something that you, I mean, I know that that's something that you've come across. How have you found that when it comes to doing that and developing these businesses as brands? Oh, for sure. For sure. It's it's interesting. I actually had that situation come up this year um, for the first time. So I had, I had one amazing client I worked with at the beginning of the year who um, she sold wood wedding bouquets. She would, so she would make custom wooden wedding bouquets, sell them on Etsy, really talented. I mean, absolutely gorgeous work that she does. And so we did her brand together and the brand strategy and the visual design and the website and got that up rocking and rolling. And then there, so we were part of a shared community group and there's another member in this group who also does 
what do you, what do you know, would wedding bouquets and sell them on Etsy. And I was like, what are the chances? And uh, this, the second client had seen the work I had done for the first one and said, I really love what you did for the first one. That's exactly what I need. And I, I did, um, you know, for, formally check in with the first client and say, hey, you know, I have somebody else. And she actually knew who this other person was. And she's like, go for it. It's going to be great. So they're, they're both wonderful people. So, of course, there wasn't a problem. But, you know, once I had the first client's blessing to work with the second one, my first thought was, oh, my gosh, like, how am I going to do this? Because it's like, how are you, it's, it's the wedding industry. And they make wooden bouquets. And they sell them on Etsy. Like, how is it going to be different? But sure enough, as soon as we did the brand strategy where we, for the second client, where we dove into her story, you know, why she does what she does, what kind of experience is she hoping to give her clients? You know, how does she want them to feel? What's the ultimate message she wants her brides to walk away with? And why does her product actually matter to her clients? It was a completely different story than the first one. And of course, they also have different personalities and different styles and tastes. But the brand strategy itself even informed a totally different direction. So we ended up with a completely unique look and feel and a very different position in the market. So they're obviously sitting in about the same price point, serving the same clients, but the type of bride that each one is going to serve and the message that's going to connect um, is going to be very different between the two. So some brides would really connect and resonate with the first client more than brides would connect with the other client, um, the second one. And so that was, that was a really fun experience for me. I never branded two identical clients. I never thought that was going to happen. And it just showed up. It was a great experience for me to learn. Wow. Like the brand strategy, like is so key because if we hadn't done that, I probably would have tried to replicate the first client or like, obviously not literally because I do value them being distinct, but like, it would have been a struggle for me not to replicate the first client because you think, oh, it's, you know, this type of client. So surely they must want this specific look and feel. And they do have a couple keywords in common. They're in the same industry. So surely it's going to be the same thing, right? But then once you dive deeper and find out, wow, their why behind their business, the core message you're trying to communicate to clients is so different between the two that you can't do the same design between one and the other. It has to be different. And so that made the process so much easier for me and also for the client and knowing this is this is the position that you are taking in the market. You are solving this problem. You are communicating this very particular message. And obviously the price point and the audience is going to follow that, but getting really deeply down into what makes your business unique amongst anyone else who may be doing the same thing as you, that was really key and really gave her some solid legs to stand on and gave her brand a solid foundation on as well. Yeah, I I could not agree more. And it's something that um, I've had similar, maybe not quite such a niche product as you came across, like wooden bouquets are just, and I know the work that you've done because they're on, they're on my wedding list. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things that I've had to brand a few, funny enough, a few yoga studios in my time. And it's trying to find a way of differentiating them and making sure that when you are creating an identity for them, it -hmm. does help them to stand out. But you can't, this is a controversial opinion, I feel like you can't do that with a brand identity alone. I feel like Mm -hmm. having that strategy is absolutely essential because that really does define where you want to be in that market. And that's going to be the thing that makes you stand out. Mm -hmm. 
and everything you said there about strategy I mean this always comes back to you need to know why you're unique in your business and it may not be the product or service that you offer but it may be your approach it may be the way you want to do it It maybe who you want to serve but whatever that unique thing is that's Mm -hmm. how you can position yourself differently in a market even if you feel that market is overcrowded yeah absolutely yeah yeah um cool so when we've talked a lot about kind of brand identity brand strategy and brand positioning but I think that it might be quite helpful just to clarify the difference between the three for any (laughs) listeners out there who are maybe new to business and not kind of familiar with these terms so do you want to kick off with kind of brand strategy and then we'll go through the others yeah, it's it's funny. These I feel like these words are all used so interchangeably, even mm-hmm. among designers. It is something that over the last year and two year or two, I've had to learn myself what the difference is and make sure I'm using the right ones. It's yeah. it's just so complicated, and so no wonder that business owners, especially those who are not familiar with branding, you know, as you and I maybe because this is our profession, mm-hmm. like no wonder it's so confusing. So you don't know, like, are you are you looking for a brand strategy, a brand identity, a brand design, like? You know, it's like they're all so interchangeably used. So strategy is kind of strategy is the development of the brand. So a brand, simply put, is what your audience says about you, what your clients and customers say about you, how they feel about your business. And strategy is just the process of developing the message that you hope they're going to say about you. So it's coming up with that plan and diving deeply into, you know, what you do, who you do it for, why it matters to them, coming coming up with all those nuggets about what makes your business unique. And then the strategy then informs the positioning. So the strategy is going to help you decide, you know, are we a high-end brand or are we more approachable? You know, who do we serve? Why do our clients prefer us versus someone else? And then, so positioning is just a part, it's just one of the key takeaways that you will get from doing that strategy process. And then the brand identity is also a part of the strategy. It's where we inform the attributes, the mission, the purpose, the personality, and more of your brand, and that gets applied visually. So sometimes brand identity is used to describe the visual deliverables, like your logo, the colors and fonts. That's like the external identity, but it's it's the same as like your personal identity, right? You know, there's the things that make you you, you know, the clothes that you wear, the hairstyle, you know, the makeup or the lack of makeup or whatever, you know, the way your house is decorated. There's all these external factors that clue other people into who our identity is, but those external things are not our identity. It's, they're just outward signals of the internal personality, the attributes, the character that we have as people. And then we just reflect those through, you know, different external factors as much as we like. And so the same thing with your brand too. So strategy is the overall process of creating that game plan for your brand. It's determining what's the message we're trying to get out. You know, how are we going to move our brand forward long-term? And then through the strategy process, we're going to uncover what that brand identity is, how we're going to position in the market. And then all of those pieces come together and are expressed outwardly through the visual design. So the visual design or the visual identity, as it may also be called, is meant to just be those external clues that are supposed to signal to our audience, our clients and customers, hey, this is what you should think about us. This is this is who we are. This is how we're going to help you. And this is the message we're trying to get out. Yeah, I think that that is a brilliant, brilliantly concise and wonderful way of explaining quite a complex subject, to be honest. And 
I see it a lot, particularly in kind of Facebook groups or for new businesses, because it does feel daunting and it does feel overwhelming. And what you were talking mm-hmm. about, the visual identity being like the um, the ex- the external hints as to what that business is. I think that this is actually like as a designer and trying not to get too high on my soapbox. This is where I feel like a lot of businesses tend to fall fall a little bit flat or are not setting themselves up for the best success that they could have because their external identity isn't actually true to what they want to be as a business because they haven't done that strategy work. I always explain strategy as kind of it's the foundations of your business, like Mm -hmm. not just your brand, like your brand strategy is the foundation of your business. It dictates your marketing. It dictates your messaging. Takes dictates how you look like literally I firmly believe that everything comes from that brand definition Mm -hmm. um and your brand identity and your brand positioning may flux and may change as you go but your strategy and your foundations they need to stay the same like generally Mm -hmm. speaking the reason you go into business well for the most part I think kind of stay consistent wouldn't you agree Mm-hmm. But I yeah. feel like your brand identity can change and it can kind of move with the times or it can adjust and fluctuate slightly to go with the flow. But it's always going to feel like you if you've got those foundations right. Yeah, that foundation, I totally agree where that foundation serves as the basis for everything you do in your brand. I mean, I've, I'm talking with a client right now who's hoping to onboard some team members in the future. So these would be external contractors who are representing her and her brand and her very high levels of standards and quality and professionalism all over the all over the country, all over the world. It's her long term goal. And and I told her, look, we really need to get clear on your brand values because we we can use the brand strategy to create an onboarding document for them when the time is right. That's going to say this is this is how you're going to treat our customers and clients. This is how you're going to represent the brand, the brand and the business. And this this you know maybe it's even how you want them to word emails, what phrases you want them to use. So you may know I come from Disney, so I worked at Disney for a few years um, down here in Florida, and with, it's all about you know the client the guest experience is called they call the customers guests. And uh, again, even that is a clue for their brand experience. And it all goes back to their brand. Their brand is all about welcoming. It's kind. It's approachable. It's fun. It's magical. You know, um, it's the happiest place on earth, it's called. And so it's all about creating that amazing experience at every touch point, whether you're interacting with the custodian or you're interacting with concierge or you're interacting with one of the VPs. And so I, I've taken that approach that Disney has towards the brand experience and brought that in with my clients and have seen that the strategy really lays a foundation for every part of the client experience. Mm-hmm. And as you said, like for the marketing, the messaging, you know, how are you going to market? Where are you going to market? What's your message going to be when you market? What business decisions are you going to make? So maybe again, going back to positioning, maybe you want to position as a high-end brand and you can get clear on that with your strategy. So then maybe some business decisions that come up down the road are either right or maybe they're not right for you if you want to keep that positioning. So it really informs so many aspects of your brand. I call it kind of the North Star for my clients. I say this is going to be the North guiding star for everything that you do in your business moving forward as it relates to your brand because it all really comes back to being holistic. That's what our clients and customers want to see. They want to get that holistic experience 
They want to know that everything is seamlessly integrated together, that is professional and that they're going to get the same quality everywhere. That is authentic. That's what we really want from our brands nowadays is authenticity. And so having a strategy to inform the positioning, the experience, and so much more like really is just such a crucial cornerstone of everything that you do in your business. Yeah, I I could not agree more with everything that you've said there. And it is literally the experience, like your brand is an experience and it's completely up to you how you want to define that experience for your customers. And I think that a lot of the time, something that I see happen quite frequently is there's a lot of um, I and me in bunny quotes uh, when it comes to brand design, maybe from like younger businesses rather than more established businesses. But generally speaking, like your brand design isn't about you and your brand positioning isn't necessarily about you. Like it's all about your customer. It is about where you want to take your business. Um, and this is something that I covered in a recent episode or we touched on in a recent episode with Sapphire Bates as well. It's like your business is about you and it needs to be built in a way that feels good for you and your goals. But mm-hmm. as soon as you move that into serving your customers, it's about them. When you're talking mm-hmm. to them, when you're portraying your business outwards, it's for them and it's finding that switch between the two. Yeah, because the your customers and clients are the ones who are going to pay your bills ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I wish I could pay my own bills with my business. I wish I could send money in to my own business, but no, <laughs> it's it's ultimately them and it has to be something that resonates with them in order for them to pay and to trust me to perform these services or deliver these products, whatever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. And something that you touched on there where it comes to processes, like I know that processes aren't that sexy. I think that they are because it means that I get more time back in my day by having something that's like process driven and automated. But even that Mm -hmm. can fit within and be driven by your brand and your strategy Mm -hmm. because like you said, Amy, the the entire end-to-end experience from your customer, it needs to be of a quality that reflects the positioning and strategy that you put. So if you are a high-end brand, which means that you have a higher price point or you're looking for a certain caliber of clients or product or whatever it is, then you need to make sure that that experience is consistent every single time for every single customer. And if you're not putting automational processes in place to support that and you're having an off day and you onboard a client like you're risking a lot just by having to do all of that manually when actually your processes and your automation support that brand strategy and that mm-hmm. brand positioning yeah that's a yeah. weird thing to get your head around <laughs> yeah I am I'm such a fan of processes too I mean I know I know we shared that and I I come from a project management background as well and so I've been able to bring that into my client process and it's been huge it's it's one of the biggest things I learned is learning how to build a project schedule it sounds really basic and definitely not sexy at all but it's something that I teach every one of my interns who come through and work with me every one of my team members because I'm like look whether we keep working together or you move on you need to know how to do this because it will it will save your career I, I don't know maybe yeah. not that dramatic but I know you can be dramatic it's fine I believe yeah. But as you said, it is, it's all about the client experience you're trying to offer. And it goes back to the positioning again, you know, having a seamless experience 
can really tell your clients like what what level, what caliber that your brand is sitting in and can really deliver what they're expecting. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you position yourself as a high-end service provider or a high-end product, they're, they're going to expect like a certain level of service. They're going to expect a certain level of professionalism. And if you don't meet those expectations, then there's going to be some disappointment mm-hmm. and um, it, it's going to create some dissonance with them. Um, and then that can also having the strategy to to inform the positioning and how you want your process to be can also fill in some gaps as well in what's called the customer journey. So the stages that somebody moves through uh, working with your brand. So I've I've seen this happen a lot with clients where they may say something like, "We really value like a high end experience. We want when they open their package for it to feel like it's a gift." And so that informs, okay, we need to invest in custom packaging. That's not me asking you to spend more money. That's me saying, if you want this to feel like a gift, because you mentioned that in your brand strategy, the reason why you do what you do is because you love that gift giving experience. You want to give a gift through your products to your clients then we need to really make that experience amazing and feel very luxurious and gift-like. Or um, they may say, you know, I, through the brand strategy, you know, I really want this type of experience, but I'm just leaving clients with a gap between when they place an order and when it's fulfilled several weeks later. Then we say, okay, we need to fill that gap again. You know, we really want to go above and beyond. And so, you know, we, we need to be surprising and delight, you know, as they say, we need to be putting some unexpected little treasures through that process and delivering them emails or phone calls or notes or whatever. And so having, having that process, laying out that process and saying, okay, how does this process align or not align with my positioning and my brand strategy and why I do what I do, how I want to treat my clients or customers And then also looking through and say, are there any gaps? Is there anywhere that we're not living up to the standard we want to be setting? Is there opportunities where people are being forgotten or falling off? Maybe our website is confusing to navigate. They don't know how to get in touch with us. Then we want to make sure that we're filling any gaps in that customer journey. And that all comes down to making sure that our process is that holistic brand experience from end to end, where it's really communicating what our brand and positioning really is all about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there are a few things that you touched on there. I mean, Disney, a fantastic example of like the customer journey. Apple is another good one. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to caveat my next statement because I know that I've read it and I'm fairly certain it's a fact, but you know, pinch of salt listeners that the um, way they've designed the Apple packaging, it takes a certain amount of time because it's like building up the anticipation of opening this new product that you've just invested this money in because they are a high-end product. They have a high price tag. They are highly coveted. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like even the experience of opening this new item They try and draw it out just that little bit longer because you've probably been on a wait list. You've probably been sat there waiting for the wait list. So it's kind of that level of the experience that you want to go to. Now, I understand and appreciate listeners if you're sat there going, but how am I going to do this as a small business? I think some of the things that you mentioned there, Amy, absolutely help, like notes or communications or, you know, putting in a handwritten thank you note is something that I absolutely love to receive. Well thought out websites and packaging that are easy to navigate that make it easy for me to find what I need as a consumer. I feel like those are super good. But I think a lot of it just comes down to 
how can you give them something a little bit extra Mm -hmm. isn't going to be kind of it doesn't have to be of a huge expense to you it's the thought it literally is the thought that counts when it comes through to this I mean I've gotten so many packages off Etsy that have just been you know the the products in like the bat I think I think of a shirt I bought a couple months ago but it, you know, it was, it was, uh, the shirt was in there and it was wrapped around with some simple string and they had like a, you know, printed on kind of cheaper paper, not in a bad way, but you know, just a little bit cheaper paper quality. You know, they had like a postcard and then they had some like confetti in there. It was so simple, but it just made me so happy. And even as, you know, a design snob, I was like, this is amazing. This is so fun. It was the highlight of my day. And it very clearly was done on a budget, but I didn't care. It just made me experience so much better to get like the little confetti and the shirt tied up in the string and the little like thank you card and whatever little you know stickers or whatever they put in there and I've done that for clients too like I said I've done some custom packaging that was in the thousands of dollars for one client and then for another client we did something that was really budget friendly but even her budget friendly packaging was enough for her to confidently raise her prices above that of her competitor she told me later because she said I know that that experience really elevated that brand experience that my clients have. And we, we really did, you know, as much budget friendly without sacrificing quality as we could. And so I always tell clients that you don't have to break the bank. Sometimes it's better to invest more if that's more of a a core part of your brand is a high-end experience, then you do want to invest and maybe save up for it or slowly work your way up towards it. But it doesn't have to be that way either. For some people, even just a little bit can make a huge difference. And you can really find some creative ways to go above and beyond what everyone else may be doing that are not going to break the bank either. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I know that we've been focusing a lot on onboarding clients, but one thing that I would also recommend is um, have an offboarding process Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And if you're a service-based rather than a product-based, you can always have a look and do like welcome packs. You can send out just a little handwritten note. Maybe, you know, I've had everything from prints to like a little face mask, like care package that has come through. And yeah, I mean, you can invest as much or as little as you want in these kind of things, but it just, it really does perpetuate like, how do you want your brand to feel? How do you want your customers to feel? What are the feelings you want them associating with the experience that they Mm -hmm. had with you? Because that's going to be more beneficial, not just from a financial point of view directly, but they're going to want to work with you again. They're going to want to talk about you from, you know, shout your name from the rooftop. So that's always worth its weight in gold because referral marketing is just the absolute best. Oh yeah. And yeah. And you're making your clients day better. And I mean, who doesn't want that? Like all the warm fuzzies knowing that you're making people's days even better just from sending them a handwritten note or just from sending them like, you know, oh, I I saw this and I thought of you, whatever it is, it doesn't have to break the bank, but it can be in line with your brand positioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. When we're talking about kind of brand positioning, there are different aspects to it. Um, and I know that we focus quite a lot on pricing, but are there mm-hmm. any other key aspects of brand positioning that you've kind of come across that don't involve pricing that have been kind of integral to your clients? 
Yeah, I think um, I think it kind of goes back to what we talked about, you know, the brand, the brand story, the brand strategy. So um, and that, that usually is expressed through the problems that you solve for them. So um, so I think I shared earlier where I had the two the two clients who were doing bridal bouquets made from wood florals and each one, you know, again, same price point, same client, same market, same selling on Etsy, both of them, even the same community group we were both a part of. So literally the exact same but they had very different reasons as to why they did what they did. And so one client was all about emphasizing, you know, that this is going to be a reminder of your wedding forever. And it's always going to be something you can treasure. It's going to help you relive those moments and those emotions every time you see your bouquet as perfect as it was the day you got married. And I wish I'd known about these clients when I got married uh, almost four years ago, because now my bouquet is dried hanging in a shadow box and it's fine. But I, if, if I knew that, you know, people did this and did it as well as my clients did, then hundred percent. But so then the first client has that kind of take and that kind of problem she solves for her audiences. They want to remember, they want to relive this experience. And then the second client was all about, she wants to make her brides feel beautiful and confident and give them this amazing gift where, you know, they feel like the most beautiful thing on their wedding day. And the bouquet is just there to support them as the star of the show for lack of a better term. And it has a very different, more wild, rustic feel. And then the first client was a little bit more like classic and elegant. And so, you know, every, so there's going to be different clients, different brides who are going to resonate with each type of client. And so it just, so that's how they've been able to position themselves in the market is, you know, obviously same price point, same niche, same market, same type of clients, but it's still going to nuance down even further and say one is going to be attracting a client who's looking for these qualities and who resonates with this message versus this other client who's going to resonate with that message and you know that problem that um, my second client solves. So I think it really it can really also come down to that and say, okay, even if you're serving the same people at the same price point, you know, there's all different nuances of individuals. We all have different problems, different triggers, different pain points, different emotional needs. And so we're all going to connect with completely different brands, even who may be all competing for our attention in the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like the key message that I I really, really want this episode to get across um, and you're articulating it fantastically, which is awesome, because I don't know if I could do it quite as well uh, without stumbling over my words so much. But it's just like you don't have to compete on price. Like mm-hmm. you can be. Please don't compete on price. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I know. I know how scary it can be when you sit there and look at the market or you're starting your business and you're like, oh my goodness, there are so many of X, Y, Z. There are so many of whatever it is I've chosen to do. Or after things like, I mean, I think that 2020 has inspired an awful lot of people to suddenly go self-employed. So Mm -hmm. there's an influx into many markets. And I've spoken to brand designers and VAs and yoga teachers, like broad, broad terms. And everyone feels like the market is overcrowded, but that's the beauty of brand positioning. Like you Mm -hmm. can set yourself apart without having to go, oh, I'll undercut them on price Mm -hmm. or I'll be more expensive and get a different clientele. Like price is not the be all or end all in business. And if Mm -hmm. that's your driving factor, that's what you're going to be inviting back. Like Mm -hmm. if all you're worried about is pricing and that's all you focus on, then you're only going to get people who are interested in pricing alone rather than what you stand for. Would you agree with that? 
Oh yeah. And I think the temptation to position based on price only comes because we haven't done the strategy work because we haven't figured out what our positioning really is because we're just saying, Oh, I don't know what makes me different. So I guess I'll make price different. So I'll be the cheapest one out there or I'll be the most expensive one out there. But that's because we haven't done the work to find out what really makes us unique. So, you know, maybe if we're tempted, I'm always tempted to undersell myself, you know, lower my rates, even though I I know what I can and am charging. Mm -hmm. It's just always a temptation to sneak in a little bit under, devalue my worth, you know, devalue the services that I offer. I think, I think women especially suffer with this, which is really kind of a shame, but that's something that we all really struggle with. But I think that temptation comes in because we don't understand fully, you know, what, what makes me different? What about my process? What about the problem I solve? What about the types of clients or the specific niche of what I do, what makes that unique? And then that can usually steer us in a totally different direction than price alone. And so I think niching, niching and trying to position based on price only is a is a lose-lose situation because you know more often than not, people are pricing to undercut their competition, I think more than to be more expensive. That certainly does happen, but I see most people doing, you know, trying to be the cheapest option on the market just to get business. And that's a lose-lose because you're losing money and your clients are not getting the best they have from you. And they're valuing the work that you're doing only in position of, you know, only in view of the bottom dollar. And that's not taking into account of what you really solve and what you can really do for them. And then if you can get clear on understanding that, you know, this is, this is the message that I'm communicating. This is the problem I'm really solving for them beyond the surface level problem, but some emotional, some intellectual, deeper, whatever philosophical problem, then then that creates so much higher value on what you're doing. It allows you to raise your rates to a price that accurately reflects your positioning, whether that's a high price or a low price. And that allows that allows your clients to understand exactly what you can do for them. And it helps you to know your position and what makes you different versus just price alone. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something I know that I've talked about in a few other episodes as well, listeners. So if you do want any, you know, any more advice, because I feel like we're going to talk about this forever if we don't wrap it up at some point. But when it comes down to your business, absolutely, like Amy said, understand and go deeper than just what are your values. Don't use one word. Don't just say, oh, I'm honest or I'm creative because that doesn't help anyone. That doesn't define you as anything different. And you should be honest in your business, just saying. Um, and then when it comes down to the reason and the problems that you solve, it is difficult work. Like, don't expect this to be a one and done thing. This takes time. Um, but it is worthwhile digging in and working out what it is that you want to do. And then I'd also take it a step further and make sure that you're very clear on what the intention of your business is from your personal point of view. Like you have your why as to who you want to help and why you want to help them and how you want to help them. But also keep in mind why you started your business. And that could just be you want it to impact your personal life and live a lifestyle that you want in a certain way. That's cool. So how is your how is everything that you're doing working towards that? Or it could be that you have a particular mission, like you want to help X number of people achieve whatever then how is it that your values and your strategy supports that end goal? Because all of this, all of it does come together. It really, really does. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and everything about positioning yourself, like you said, like I, I underpriced myself hugely when I first started out, you know, as a designer that had over 10 years experience and I was charging mm -hmm. ridiculous amounts for just a logo. And my business wouldn't have been successful if I had carried on in that way because mm -hmm. I wasn't solving a problem that was actually the problem. I was solving the surface level problem. So people mm -hmm. were coming to me wanting a logo. That's not what they needed. And that's kind of how my business developed because every time I had a realization about what a deeper problem was, my business evolved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like, yeah. I'm not going to be the only one that has that. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So when it comes to using your brand to stand out, I think we've kind of covered a lot of examples. So mm -hmm. remember, it doesn't have to be price. Remember, it can be audience. It can be niche. It can be emotion, mm -hmm. like that emotional connection that you were talking about, how your business should feel to your customers. Absolutely. That's a good way to stand out. So really think about not, oh, my goodness, this marketplace is, is so overcrowded. Who is ever going to see me? But try and reframe it as okay, this marketplace has a lot of people that offer the same thing as me or similar to me, but what is it that I do that makes the people I want to work with want to work with me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. Is there anything else at the moment that you want to talk about? Like, is there any other key insights or stories that you have to share from your experience when it comes to brand positioning with your clients? Yeah, I found I found that there's really like a great litmus test that I want to leave with the followers because you know you may be walking away from this conversation and thinking how how do I know if I'm positioned correctly? I that's a question that I hear from a lot of my designer friends even. So yeah. even we as designers and who this is our day to day, even we don't really understand are we positioning correctly? Like how how do we know if we're doing this right? And so I, and so I've, I've thought about this for quite a while and I realized that there are really three, I mean, there's probably more, but there's really three key signs to know if you're positioning correctly or not. So if you're listening to this episode and you want an action step and an action plan, here it is. So the first one is looking through the inquiries that you're getting. Are you getting the right kind of inquiries? Um, whether you're a product-based business or a service-based business, but you know, are the leads you're getting, are the customers or clients you're getting, are they the right kind of person that you want to be working with? You know, especially if you're a service-based business where, you know, maybe, maybe you're, are you getting um, leads who are above or below your price point, you know, and are you happy with that? And so looking at the kind of leads you're getting, is going to be a clue as to who's being attracted to your brand. And then you know, the second one is what kind of referrals as well am I getting? Again, what are your clients who have worked with you? What are they saying about you to other people? And how are they telling other people what you can do for them? So for me as a designer, um, this, this played out in a really big way where um, a, this community group I'm a part of where these two clients were as well. Um, I get a lot of work through this community group because it's, it's really small, it's tight knit. There's a lot of trust, a lot of friendship in there. Um, and I, I knew I was positioning correctly. Um, I had this realization sometime this year where somebody would post in the group saying, hey, I need a quick logo, who can help? And crickets. But then someone would post and say, hey, I need help with my branding. Then my clients would just flood the comments with my name, which was awesome. And I was like, yes, like I'm doing this right because 
as designers, it's so easy for people to think, oh, you know, Amy or Tammy, they do logos. Great. But, you know, or maybe, you know, the, the dreaded like friends and family saying you do business cards or you do brochures. I'm like, no, that's not what I do. So. <laughs> So hearing what kind of referrals are coming your way is going to be a really good clue as to whether you're positioning correctly or not. So even do your own clients or customers understand what you do and who you do it for and the real value to what you do? Um, And then the third way to really see if you're positioning correctly is looking through your client reviews or customer reviews or your testimonials. You know, what words are they using? Are they describing your service correctly? Are they describing the problem that you solve correctly? Are they describing the benefits that they received, you know, in the way that you want them to? So, you know, are are they saying something, again, to use the design example, but are they saying like, oh, she created like a a beautiful, you know, design, my business card looks great, whatever. Or are they saying, wow, they really helped open my eyes to seeing my business in a different way. I feel so clear and confident in my brand. And now I can raise my rates and I'm fully booked up, you know, whatever. So kind of looking through, you know, seeing what words they're using to describe how their experience was with you. And is that the experience you hope for them to have? Are those the results you wanted them to have? So looking through the inquiries you're getting, the referrals, what people are saying about you to others, and then what kind of reviews and testimonials, what people are saying about it. Again, it all comes down to what people are saying and how they're thinking about it, which is what positioning is, is how people see your brand in the market. So that's that's a really great litmus test that you can do right now is look through any of those inquiries, testimonials, reviews, and just kind of do a quick scan of that and say, does this line up to how I want to be perceived by my clients or not? And if so, what are the actions, or if not, what are the action steps I need to be taking to remedy that? Yeah, I that's absolutely brilliant. I think that that's a really nice, clear, actionable way that the listeners can find out not only how they want to position themselves, because I think that sometimes if you're unsure on what you want, if, you, if you're not quite sure on where you currently are or how you want to be perceived, sometimes it will take you realizing how you don't want to be perceived in order to kind of like nail that that messaging. And I love the fact that you're talking about using their language as a guide, because again, Mm -hmm. it's that whole, it is the perception and it is for our customers. So if the language that they're using doesn't fit with what you want them to be saying, then, you know, that's not necessarily on them. That's for you Mm -hmm. to kind of have a look at your business and see where you can amend that. That's absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Amy. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, Cool. What we'll do is we'll call it there for this episode. So where can the listeners find out more about you? Yeah, so I'm primarily on Instagram, hanging out there. So that's at Author Brand Studio. That's author as in, you know, the author of a story, which goes back to my love for storytelling. So Author Brand Studio on Instagram and my website is authorbrand.studio. So I have a blog. I'm posting there about every month or so talking about design topics or other entrepreneur topics. So uh, Instagram and my website are the two places that I spend the most time. Amazing. And thank you once again for joining me today, Amy. I feel like that was a really good and insightful conversation around quite a big topic. So I think we covered a lot in that, which is (laughs) awesome. Yeah. Uh, And listeners, if you would like to find out more about Amy and her business, be sure to subscribe ready for Thursday's episode where Amy will be sharing her brand story and business journeys so far. 
and all of the links for everything of where you can find Amy will be in the show notes as always. Until then, I would love to hear your thoughts about this episode and whether it's given you something new to think about when it comes to kind of your brand, how you're currently positioned and where that kind of lies in comparison to where you want to be. So come on over to our community on Instagram or Facebook. And if you did find this episode helpful, please do consider leaving a review to support the show. And next time I will see you in the brand lounge.